Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Shane Benson. Well, welcome to another episode of Executive Minds. I've got with me today, David Farmer. Welcome, David. Hey, Shane. How are you? And I'm playing host today. I'm your host, Shane Benson. And um, as you know, we like to come and just have conversations every so often about things that leaders are dealing with, challenged with, and how do we continue to be uh, better leaders, better followers, uh, and just better business people. And so uh, looking forward to engaging in a conversation today. Our topic for today, David, is wrestling through trade-offs. Yep. So I'm excited about this because I do think that whether you're a leader of people, a leader of projects, just a leader of work in general, all leaders have to deal with trade-offs. No question. And we've got to wrestle some of those things to the ground and figure out on the behalf of the teams that we lead, of the work that we do, what decisions and trade-offs are best. So we're going to dive into some of these conversations. And I just think about, I want you to go back maybe as an intro to this, to the end of 2019. And I want you to think back to what you were thinking about for 2020. David, do you remember what you were thinking about, you know, as you entered 2020? It feels like eons ago, but it yeah. does. It does. <laughs> and I mean, it's now mostly irrelevant. Well, you know, personally, on a personal note, um, Gina and I are empty nesters. We're looking forward to some cool trips, some experiences with our kids. Um, as a business leader, uh, we were entering 2020, um, coming off one of the best years we'd ever had in 2019 and expecting to build on that. And then you you recall, David, you and I went to our annual seminar. We called us it's called Next, but we went to where we bring everybody in from across the business, and it happened to be on two boats, two yep. ships, and uh, that's where we had our event. And I'll never forget when we were first loading the boat, they were asking these like silly questions, like, "Have you ever been to China? Have you had a fever in the last two weeks?" And we're like. Something far off in a distant land is impacting somebody. It'll never come close to home. <laughs> and yeah. little did we know we were going to be in the middle of a pandemic. So um, here we are. And the reason I share that story is because very quickly when we got back, we found ourselves as leaders having to make some serious trade-off decisions, like literally stopping an entire plan that we had in place, conserving cash, making decisions about whether we close restaurants, keep restaurants open. Do we close the dining room? Do we keep the drive-thru open? If so, how are we going to do that? Lots of trade-off conversations. And I think, you know, you've said it uh, a lot of different times, David, but the essence of strategy is all about making trade-offs. And that's really what we have to do as leaders when you think about strategy. And so leaders are at their best really when they're in the middle of this mess. If you think about it, if you think about yeah. The, the messy middle of a trade-off decision, this is when we're at our best, when we're smack dab in the middle of that mess. And so we want to give you some examples to think about and then just talk about a process um, and maybe some, some bullet points to be considering as you think about how do you increase or enhance your probability of success. So David and I are going to tag team a little bit today and just talk through some of the challenges. But David, why don't you open up with just 
your thoughts, maybe some examples of situations that you've been in or we've been in uh, in regards to some of the tension that can be felt when you're you're kind of in the middle of the mess or you're fighting with these trade-off decisions. Yeah, I don't think it's specific just to a pandemic. This is the kind of stuff you have to do anyway all the time. I do think the whole COVID-19 situation has raised the stakes because there's health and in some cases people's lives are on the line. Certainly the viability of our businesses is at stake and and probably the number of what seem like really big decisions you have to make in a short period of time, that feels like it's way up. But this happens all the time. In fact, I'll come home from work and um, there'll be a family situation. And I sometimes will tell my wife, Mallory, like, can you just make this? Because I feel like I've been doing this all day and I'm kind of tired. So what if you just took this and just know, I, I, I got you. I'll support you on this one. But it's what we do. I, I think it can be anything from uh, a strategic direction regarding your business. Uh, you referenced one. We, we had to figure out, are we going to close off our dining rooms, which we did, but we're now at a point where we're trying to figure out under what circumstances would we open them back up. And they're all kind of trade-offs. An example of a trade-off would be, it may be good for the business, but is it good for the people in the business, mm-hmm. You know, their health and well-being? That's, that's a classic trade-off. Uh, we're dealing with everything from, should this event be a live event or should it be virtual? And do we pivot in that respect? Do I organize my business around key leaders or do I organize it around key projects or work streams? Do I choose to cut back and be really conservative as it relates to a budget? Or do I think there's an, this is a wonderful opportunity to be sort of a contrarian and uh, make a, a key investment? Those are examples. And, you know, we have examples in our personal life too that are maybe you know, they're, they're yeah, do I, do I buy a new car? Do I buy a used car? Uh, do we invest in a home now or do we continue to rent? I mean, there's, there's some really good examples. And I do think we, again, as leaders, as individuals, we're going to constantly kind of find ourselves in the middle of this messiness. Yeah. And, and it is a little bit of a mess because you, you could go one way or the other. And that's the challenge. You've got to come up with a process to enhance your probability of success in either decision that you choose as you think about the trade-offs. Yeah, I'll, sh- I'll give you just a couple of more thoughts related to this. First of all, this isn't going away. You can't engineer this out. You're never going to have perfect information. You're never going to have certainty about what the future would hold. You probably will not have total control over outcomes. You may not have even control over how people react to decisions. So don't think this just goes away. This is something, if you want to lead well, you need to get good at. I would also tell you, I really love it when people come to me and they've got a hard recommendation, a firm recommendation on what they want to do. They do more than just tell me, oh, we've got a challenge or, oh, we've got a problem. They've leaned in and they've done some of what we're about to talk about and they've got thoughts. And and that's when you know somebody's stepping up. And to your point, they they are at their best when they're in Mm -hmm. the middle of a tough situation. So we want to try and help you do just that. Be at your best uh, to in, to increase or enhance uh, your probability of success. And so we've got kind of eight bullet points to take you through today. And David, the first one is clarify your North Star. Say more about that. What do you mean by clarify your North Star? Yeah, this sort of uh, is go back to your core, your identity. Who do you want to be at the end of the day? So if, if it, it could be individually or it could be for the organization that you're working on behalf of. 
What's your purpose? What are those non-negotiable principles in your life or in your business or in your organization? And then uh, maybe one click down, what are your priorities for this season? And those are some of the higher level things that should guide big decisions. And maybe what you're wrestling with is not a big decision, but still it it gives really, really critical context to to whatever it is you're wrestling with. So it's a little bit of, of... what Simon Sinek talks about when he, you know, he talks about your why. This sort of goes back to that as well before you just jump right into the what. Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to give you a very practical way to think about this. So my daughter right now, she's currently doing an internship, and she was responsible for this event that uh, brought in a lot of different um, ladies from across the country, and they were having an event together. And so I want to use this principle. Uh, the first question you would ask yourself is, okay, what do I want the desired outcome of this event or experience to be? That can be your North Star. What's the purpose of this meeting? What are some of some of the priorities of this meeting? And make sure you know what those are as you start to go down this path because you'll have trade-offs and you can always point to, well, I want this. Do you want this event to be fun? Do you want it to be educational? Is it a training event? What's your objective or purpose and what are the priorities you're trying to accomplish? And to me, that's a really tactical way to think about the, the importance of clarifying your North Star. Now, as you you know, in, yeah, go ahead, David. I was going to say a lot of times you know, when you work with equipment, you have to calibrate the equipment before it functions at its best. I feel like clarifying your North Star is a form of just sort of calibrating yourself before you jump in and you do something hard. So number two is clarifying decision rights. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it can get really, really challenging if you wade into a decision and you haven't gotten really clear on who ultimately owns the decision. We'll use the expression sometime, who's got the D. That means they ultimately get to decide. Maybe folks can identify with this. I can remember as a family, we'd go to dinner and I'd, ask people where they want to go eat and some want to go to one place and some want to go to the other place. And it's like irreconcilable. And and so I finally got to the point where I said, let me be clear. I want to ask each of you where you want to go to dinner, but you are an input provider. You do not, (laughs) you do not own the decision. uh, Mom will own the decision and she'll get to decide or I'll decide, but we definitely want your input. And we don't want your griping on the back end if we don't choose your place as well. So I I think that's a a silly way of just sort of talking about you do want to know, is it your decision? Is it someone else's decision? Are you just responsible for a recommendation? Who would you reach out to to get input? But they're just that. They're an input provider. And you you just want to make sure everybody kind of has their roles clear so you don't get crossed up and you don't create conflict if there's not a consensus. Yeah. And, and I've, you know, we've all experienced this, but I think it's really important and helpful right up front in a meeting. Uh, you know, when you're talking about trade-offs say, well, what, what's the purpose again of this meeting? Well, really the purpose of this meeting is to get input. We're all going to provide input uh, because so-and-so is going to make the decision and we want to get input or recommendation, or it's like, Hey, we're going to have input here. And then it may your, be your boss. It may be you. 
then we're going to go make a decision. But being clear about who's providing input, who's providing the recommendation, uh, who has to agree, and then who ultimately gets to make the decision, uh, I think is super helpful. Anytime you get into these trade-off decisions and you want to increase your probability of success. Great, great point. Yeah, I would even say, Shane, if I think about some of my own leadership meetings at, at work, even if I'm the one that ultimately has the responsibility, I love it when I don't actually have to make the decision. And that's probably most often the case. We'll do exactly what you just described. We'll talk it through and a consensus will emerge and I don't really have to weigh in. I've learned to hold back and hear from everybody else first. If if we're just locked up and somebody's got to jump in and break the tie, if I have to, I will. But fortunately, that doesn't happen much. So I would encourage, you know, folks that are part of the podcast, if if you if you've kind of got the the responsibility, maybe you do have the D, don't play that card too fast, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because then the ownership uh, of the ultimate decision and, and the engagement that follows will probably be higher if it, if it doesn't just feel like it was your decision, but it was the team's decision. All right. So when you're in the middle of a trade-off conversation, number three is all about loading up on context. And if you think about context, it's really, what do you know about the subject that you're diving into? And what do you know about both sides of the trade-off? You know, for us, I think, you know, at Chick-fil-A specifically, here we are in the middle of a pandemic, and we're, let me give you a real-life example. We're trying to wrestle with, or were at a time, trying to wrestle with, do team members wear masks or not? Yeah. So if you think about context, context is, okay, so what does the CDC say about masks? What's the comfortability of wearing masks? What do our customers say about masks? Well, very early on, this is really interesting, very early on, we realized that at least initially, the CDC didn't have a strong opinion about masks. So that was one end of the, uh, the decision. The other end of the decision was, but our customer had a real high perception of when they saw people in masks, the safety that they felt. And the, the uh, uh, they, they felt like they were safe when they walked into an environment. So we really had to trade off. Do you follow the CDC or do you follow the customer? And so you find yourself as a leader right in the middle of that. And it's really helpful to load up on context, get as much information on both sides of the issue that you can so that you're prepared to, to really wrestle with the trade-offs. Yeah, that's well said. I might add, just assume that you might have a blind spot on an issue. And when you load up on context, you want to try to eliminate that blind spot. Well, that's a perfect segue because number four is suspend your personal bias. So what I hear you saying, David, is you have to assume kind of going in that you could have a blind spot. You may be predisposed to think about, well, everybody should wear masks if we were still using that example. But you've got to suspend that personal bias in an attempt to really good at a good decision. Any other thoughts on that one? Well, I think you and I have lived this a lot over the last month as we've really made it a point to lean in and learn as much as we can about racial injustice. And we've been part of lots of conversations uh, with people, of diverse group of people, some black, some white, some from other minority groups. And just to hear them share some of their experiences uh, has opened our eyes. So that's been a way for us to have way more context around this issue. I think there clearly have been blind spots. Uh, I've learned things I just 
I didn't realize. Uh, and it may have been known to uh, my black friends and coworkers, but I didn't realize it. And so they've been gracious enough to help me understand that context will enable me. It will set me up to make better decisions going forward. Yeah. So it's again, just, uh, just to kind of quick run through as we're about halfway through here, clarify your North star, clarify who has decision rights, load up on context, suspend your personal bias. And number five is seek expert counsel and really listen. Say a little bit more about that one, David. What do you mean there? Well, you can imagine what it does not mean is go try to find the person that's most likely to just sort of, uh, you know, uh, nods and, and confirm what they believe you're already thinking. You need somebody who will challenge you, but will do it. They're going to come from a good place. They're going to ultimately have your best interest at heart. Uh, or they just have deep subject matter expertise about this issue you're wrestling with that, that you don't have. Uh, you know, Shane, that's just called wisdom. It, mm. it is a wise thing to go and listen. It, it, it's, there's an act of humility associated with it. It basically says, of course, I don't know everything about this topic. And I want, if I've got to make a high stakes decision, I want to learn enough to be able to, uh, to, to steward that responsibility well. Yeah, great, great, uh, great example. Great bullet point here. Seek expert counsel and really listen. Number six is develop multiple scenarios. And, you know, as I think about this, uh, one of the things that, that I think has been really helpful in leading people is to really encourage them to come up with the recommendation A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And I often tell people, I really want you to work on recommendation C as if you need to sell it to beat A. So you're going to come in there with A being your number one, but how could C, I mean, really think about what that scenario is and how it could be a viable option. And you want to come in with multiple ways to attack some of these trade-offs, and it, w- it will really help you kind of think through the, the power of those trade-off conversations. Yeah, you know, in a way, it's almost a form of brainstorming. It's a creative exercise. Yep. Now, it may not feel like that. Like we, when um, COVID hit and we think about our business plans, we had to just kind of take our original budget for 2020, toss it out the window and start over. And we came up with three different budgets. One was arguably more worst case, one was best case, and one was somewhere in between maybe the more likely scenario. That's almost a form of of brainstorming. But it helps you see a wide range of possibilities with different outcomes. And you may ultimately not even choose A, B, or C. You may end up choosing a hybrid. But the fact that you've you've sort of done the work and you've you've thought it through I think sets you up to make a much better decision. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Number seven is take unrecoverable scenarios off the board. What do you mean by that? Okay, so I'm going to give you a a personal family vacation example. (laughs) Uh, Imagine you're going someplace hard, and I've got a family where we're kind of coming from different places. And uh, like we had a, uh, a trip in 2019, kind of a mission trip. We went to Tanzania. You don't want to miss that first flight or you have messed everything up. So I have members of my family that like to see how close they can shave it, getting to the airport, finding the parking place, through security, all that kind of good stuff. I'm like, please, please, please do not do that. Spend a little extra time because if you miss that flight, you have, you're guilty of the unrecoverable mistake. You'll mess the Mm. whole thing up. So imagine what it might be for the decision you're wrestling with. What is the outcome? 
that the organization can just, they just can't afford to live with, or you can't afford to live with. If you get clear on that, take that one off the board. The risk reward relationship, it's just out of whack. It, it makes no sense. And it's probably where most of your stress is coming from. That's good. That may leave you with other scenarios that may have different outcomes, but none of them will sink the ship and none of them are going to overwhelm you, you know, with regret or stress. That's great. And then our final one, which I think is great because it actually is thinking about where's this decision going to land you in the future, but it's project yourself into the future. How will this decision feel in the next year, three years versus reacting to your emotions in this moment? So project yourself into the future and think about in light of that, what decision or trade-off do I need to make in light of today and where we are? But also, where would this take us in the next one to three years? Yeah. You have a thought? Well, I know my kids will often come to me for counsel, which I appreciate. And they're wrestling with a a decision. And I try not to make the decision for them, but I try to teach them good process and just coach them through that. And one of the things we always say is the best decisions you make, you'll make with a long-term perspective in mind. There may be some sort of immediate pressure, something you want right now. You had expectations set. You don't want to disappoint somebody. There's a hard conversation you'd have to have. And if you go one way, you can avoid that. But if you can get over that hump and think about, well, how are you going to feel in a month, a year, three years, whatever, that's where you, that's, that's the context you want. Um, that's the time frame you want to, to use when you uh, ultimately make a high stakes decision. Yeah. It's really fascinating. As I think about number eight, I can't help but think about, uh, he's a pastor, Andy Stanley, but he talks about making wise choices. He talks about in light of your current situation and your future hopes and dreams, what's the best decision? Yeah. So think about it. If you back up, If you kind of start there and you say, hey, in light of my current situation at work, at home, what have you, and my future hopes and dreams, our future, what's the best decision? And you can map all seven of these processes to that outcome. If you think about, well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to clarify my North Star. I'm going to, I'm going to clarify decision rights. I'm going to load up on context. I'm going to suspend my personal bias. I'm going to seek expert counsel and really listen. I'm going to develop multiple scenarios. I'm going to take those unrecoverable scenarios off the board because I got to think about my current situation and I've got to think about the future. And I think that's really powerful as you're thinking about uh, your, your probability of success in regards to trade-offs. Yep. I do think there are other dynamics that can come into play that we didn't really talk about because we're in part because we're thinking of it in the context of a business environment predominantly. But, you know, certainly high stakes issues are things you could spend a lot of time in prayer over. I think there's even still very much um, a place for that intuition or at least, you know, do you have a check in your spirit about a path you're about to take? So I want I don't want to discount that, but I think if you compare that with healthy process, what we've just outlined, it, you are increasing the likelihood that you're gonna you're gonna look back and feel good about what you chose. Yeah, and, and you know, David, it's fascinating because I think as leaders, most leaders do have a pretty or good leaders have a pretty good gut instinct. Yeah, but really good leaders, great leaders, check that gut instinct with expert counsel. 
uh, by suspending their personal biases, by loading up on context, by, you know, they, they take these principles. They say, I don't want to discount my gut, but I'm actually going to go out and, and leverage my gut against some of these principles that can help me make a really, really good trade-off decision. I also think when you, when you use a repeatable process, it inspires a certain level of confidence and trust from those that are around you, those that are on your team. Most it did, definitely. It doesn't feel, you know, willy nilly like, well, they got lucky this time. You know, you're, it doesn't, and nor does it necessarily mean you're going to make perfect decisions. We'll all make mistakes. We, we could talk about our mistakes. And I say when you make them, totally own them. That, that's going to breed even more trust because none of us are, are going to have a perfect track record. Well, and it allows your team, too, to understand and to begin to learn how you make these trade-off decisions. And exactly. they come in more prepared. You end up making decisions faster because they kind of know the system. And they know that you're going to, you're going to want to make sure that they're, they're on purpose. You're going to want to make sure that they've clarified decision rights and they've loaded up on context. So I do think it's really helpful. When you're consistent, your team will be much more consistent as well. It's how you replicate yourself yeah. as a leader, Shane. Well, David, I want to say uh, thanks. What a great conversation, especially in the season that we're in. But it's fascinating. You know, we'll get through COVID-19, I sure hope. And when we do, we'll still have trade-off conversations. Yep. So I am hopeful that this will uh, help you in the future. And it sure is a lot of fun getting to come to you uh, every couple of weeks and just have a leadership kind of conversation. So uh, for all those executives out, out there, we're hopeful this is helpful. Uh, for all those leaders out there, uh, for all those ind- individual teammates, uh, we just have enjoyed, we continue to enjoy doing these podcasts. And please, if you've got feedback for us, we'd love to hear it. Tell your friends about it. Uh, you can just find this podcast at Executive Minds. And uh, David, any closing thoughts that you may have before we close it up? You can go to the show notes if you didn't catch all eight of these points because you're doing something else. But um, if this is new to you, try it. Just just pick an upcoming decision and walk through this. And it may be like anything new. It may feel a little bit awkward. But you get some reps under your belt. This will become natural. It will increase your Uh, confidence in your decision making, which I ultimately think is going to translate into you being a much better high stakes leader. And if you'd like more information, we actually do have a website that is a mentor network. It allows you to join other leaders like yourself, ask questions, engage, get feedback and uh, responses to some of your leadership challenges. But you can find us at wearementormntr.co. WeAreMentor.co. We'd love to have you join us, and uh, we look forward to the next time here on Executive Minds. Thanks for listening to the Executive Minds podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. For more show notes and helpful resources, visit ExecutiveMinds.co. That's ExecutiveMinds.co.